let's take it step by step. So London, they go into the mosque, or they they figure out that they have to go into this mosque. That's where, oh, because this is where the story, like, it lost me for a second. Because they, they have this in, they have this informant who came in, and then we, we bring in, we start to bring in, like, all these characters really fast, and, like, they're, you know, like, I, and I could see in a movie how this would work, but sometimes in a novel, the rapid introduction of characters causes me to be a little bit disoriented. Well, we already had so many characters, so that I think yeah, that's well, what makes have. it even harder to swallow now. Yeah. But ultimately, there's, there's this informant, they know where this... You know the brother. This guy's brother is involved with this plot. And they need to find him. He was at this mosque, right? So that's why they, they have to break into this mosque. They have this plan to send in the girls under disguise during prayer. They get in some pretty cool action there in, in the basement. They're able to use these cool tasers, which I think we have also seen in the Mid Trap series, like these these special tasers that can shoot like multiple multiple rounds essentially from one taser unit. And Gretchen is able, you know, as a badass and is able to defuse uh, the bombs. So there's, what yeah. was crazy to me is that there's bombs both in the bike bags and in the bikes themselves. That is, yeah, it was wild. Fucked up. Yeah. 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 That was a pretty cool hit on the mosque. And they're wearing full burkas. And uh, the one guy who rats out the terrorists and sneaks them into the mosque is even like berating them or being mean to them, like, because that's, probably something that he's heard and and has been said. And there's this one little line of how Scott gets a chuckle out of using their own customs against them, you know, by the women having to cover themselves. That's how they sneak in this man being abusive or rude towards them. And that's the cover that makes it seem natural. And it's a little ironic there. However, this was not only the part of the book that was starting to lose my interest with the amount of characters and places the whole book so far has been teetering on having too many names, too many faces, too many locations. But I would say I was okay with it. It was just enough for me to sort out. Not only are they tipping towards too many names, too many interrogations going on in random cities that I can't keep up with. It was also tipping towards the wrong sides of the scale on the rhetoric, the... Yeah, I knew. I figured we were going to get there eventually. But luckily... It's tamed down, it, or it's it's uh, it's staccato. It happens, it's said, it's stopped, and we move on. So I don't want to drag it out here. I do want to say there's one line I, I wouldn't mind being stripped from the book. It is when a certain religious figure is called a fanatical nuthead or, or nutcase or something like that. I hate to say it, those one-liners continue to not only tick me off, but completely take me out of the books. And I don't know... I don't want to go on and on about this, but I don't know if I could just keep rationalizing. Oh, well, he dropped that line there. I don't agree with it. Let me keep reading. I like the story. I just want to see it cut from the book altogether at this point. I'm, I'm being honest. You don't call you don't call Muhammad a fanatical nutcase or something on paper. Like, you, you really, you just don't. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, you're just going to have to, that's just how he writes. I mean, that's that's just who he is. We've seen it time and time again, and it just keeps coming up. And I think it's definitely tamed, been tamed down in some of the earlier novels. But um, unfortunately, though, here's the consequence of that: I don't get angry or or disappointed when I see a one star review because people don't like that. 
You know, like I want the genre sure. to thrive. And these books might go down in ratings or they might, you know, not beat the algorithm and get sold because there's so many one-star reviews of people just saying, you know, his political or religious theories and hatred comes through with lines like that. And I don't disagree. Like if someone said that about Vince and how he wrote his storylines, be like, no, that shouldn't be a one-star review. I'd, I'd like want to be keyboard warrior and like write back to that person. All the people who do that for Brad, I'm kind of like, yeah, you have a very valid point and go ahead, give it one star. And I, I, I just don't like that for the genre. Yeah, but I think, you know, some of the other stuff we've read has towed the line of being pretty close to it, you know? Yeah, I think it's just the the genre we le- re- we read. And I think Vince was a little bit of, a, of an exception, although he had his he, – he wrote it just differently, you know? He did, very differently, yeah. You know, is it – I guess is, is racism that's wrote more eloquently not racism? I guess it's still racism. You know, it's like – I wouldn't say that about Vince Flynn. I wouldn't. Well, I, I think a lot of he these, wrote books about fundamentalist terrorists does not mean that he was generalizing an entire population or religion of people. I think he did his due diligence in – I don't think Vince would ever stand by there's only two types of Muslims, good ones and bad ones, as Brad Thor has written multiple times. Multiple I times. I think Vince would yeah. say there are factions that have been radicalized through circumstance, time, and place that I don't agree with and think we need to eradicate. But I don't think Vince nor Mitch Rapp would ever generalize that to entire community of people. Yeah, and no, I think it's it's just it's the way Vince wrote and is the way we tend to agree with the subject, I guess, versus how Brad writes about it and how we don't agree with how he writes about it. You know. Okay. I'm gonna leave it at that. Uh, we'll go back to enjoying the books. I just I it's I do question if I'm putting money into these books and this continues to keep happening. I don't know if I want to keep just writing it off and moving on or saying I'm not going to spend money for this author anymore. And obviously it's not the case with Brad, right? Like I know who Brad is and I know where his writing is now and I'm 100% invested. But if I was reading this in, I don't know, what year, 2011, 2010 you said this came out? I don't know. <laughs> it's a yeah, personal it's, call, I guess. It's interesting. It didn't It didn't stick out to me as much when I first read them, but upon reread – and I guess maybe just talking, you know, having a conversation with you about it, they, you know, some of those those lines really do stick out, especially on the early some of the early novels. Did we just go woke? Is that what is that what's happening here? Yeah, is it is that are we just too woke for this podcast now? <laughs> like we just we we can't, uh, you know, it's it's the woke police. We're the woke police for the for the thriller <laughs> for the thrillerverse. No, I don't. Well, like, you know, we have women in this book, so it's okay. We have w- women operators, so you know what? We're we're checking boxes. We're we're all right. We're good to go. We have women operators. There's there's a gay character in this novel <laughs> who gets redeemed, who we realize is innocent in the end. No, I think so. It's at this point of the novel where I thought I had made the the comment on a couple couple podcasts ago that maybe maybe when he did his whole Da Vinci Code of Islam, he was it was a signal that he was going to move on from, you know, pounding us with these ideas that he's been, you know, going on about like, you know, good and bad Muslims and stuff like that. But, you know, it's obviously still prevalent in his mind. And I don't know when it teeters off. Like I'm almost positive 
you know, wasn't really in Rising Tiger, wasn't in, um, you know, Near Dark or Backlash um, or Black Ice. So, you know, I think like it's just the, as the, this is sort of the turning point of what sort of villains these, these characters want to put in their novels. Yeah, you know, but you, you got to make a call about what you feel is right. And what you you know, I'm yep. glad you got to call it out when when you when you read it. So, right, right. Although I'll change tact here because I I did find a quote that when I read it I was like, that is so true. And if you're writing this more than a decade it, ago, it's it's interesting how he'll write something <laughs> that I completely agree with, and exactly. then in this, in, exactly. and then in the same paragraph he can write something that I. It's not like I don't agree with it i just i don't i don't agree with how he said it or like how he thinks about it but like there's essence of it that I, that like the the base of it is right you know it's yeah. it's, it's very strange he's very forward he's very forward so he's a very passionate well, but, guy but then his his analysis of geopolitics is so spot on oh it's so spot on he gets something so right that ends up coming true or is really what happens as a result of radical extremism and the West reaction to it, you're like, y- you really have your finger on something important here. If we could just drop some of the explosive rhetoric for, you know, j- just uh, clickbait kind of lines, I'd be all for what he's doing here. I mean, just listen to this, which he writes in, in about the three-quarter mark of this book. The easiest answer is that Muslim attacks in Western Europe erode support for the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. The less support America has from its allies – the deeper it will get drawn into those conflicts. I think that's entirely true. The the attacks in Europe, the London bombings, Madrid bombings, uh, France attacks, they weaken the European resolve to support America in its international efforts. And so he writes, with the Madrid train bombings, Islamic terrorists had proven that they could influence Western elections and help catapult politicians to power who would withdraw support for American military actions. Why wouldn't the Chinese have picked up and expanded upon this as well? It was an exceptional tactic. Like that's what terrorism has done. And that's how terrorism works is you scare people and politicians into reversing course on some effort that they've had in supporting the American military. And therefore our efforts are undermined because our allies are are being scared and freaked out. And why wouldn't the Chinese and the Russians be watching uh, what's going on there, and then maybe possibly encouraging these attacks as a way to weaken and erode America's resolve. I mean, like, he's got something so right and spot on that I do hope we get more of Brad's understanding of the geopolitical landscape without broad sweeping generalizations of the people of the cultures who are also themselves de- dealing with terrorism and radical fundamentalism affecting them. We never really often see that angle. Uh, it's it's often just these guys are bad, their their countries are bad, they're doing bad things. And I think Vince and others are more likely to give us the human aspect of it and the humanity between behind like a Marwan. We don't know anything about his family or the humanity between other people and how the terrorism is affecting their own communities. You know, when Mitch is on the ground in Iraq or in Afghanistan, I don't know if we fully see that here. No, I think think you hit it perfectly. Like the just that's the difference between Brad and Vince. One one of the differences is like I think back to the I forget what novel it is, but when 
when Mitch goes, it's either he's in Iraq or in Afghanistan, and he go he inserts himself into that village, and we see the perspective of the women and that of woman, yep. their family members who decide you know are against what's going on in the village and how the resistance that they're putting up. You know how can you say and they're also, you know, Muslim or you know follow Islam. How can you say that they are not good? You know, like you know, like I, I just don't agree with the fact that there's the the, the, the you know only the Sith deal in binaries. Like that is <laughs> one of the go. greatest, one of the greatest factoids from Star Wars that any anyone you can take that in any life. Like there, there is gray everywhere. So. That's it. Only the Sith deal in absolutes. That is that that line might be low key, almost as good as "I am your father." Like it, it's that iconic of a Star Wars line. Yeah, I mean it's true because it, it that sort of it applies not not only in these fictional universes, but you know anywhere in life. Yep, yep. Hey, good stuff. But there's an attack about to happen in Amsterdam, and we better get the Athena team over there and into the red light district because. Man, that was pretty wild when they've got all these different lookouts. And I liked how they were like, we're going to stand out like a sore thumb. The terrorists will definitely know we're onto them if there's a bunch of guys on the streets kind of looking for trouble. Like, oh, they won't be seen because they're not going to be guys. They're going to be dressed as escorts and prostitutes dancing in windows. But they're secretly the Athena team looking out for the bombers. Like that was a pretty cool undercover operation right there, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it lent itself. I, I could see why he was ultimately wanted to end up in Amsterdam in the red light district. It made sense, you know, why to take the plot that way. Again, one of the best things that Brad does is, you know, bring in these other foreign intelligence units. You know, obviously, Brad's able to get into the country with this guy. He has a prior relationship. This guy ultimately ends up helping him throughout the entire mission. Through the interrogation, we see a gruesome interrogation in the backseat of a car with that accountant guy who's actually, you know, like in charge of the terrorist or like, you know, one of the people who's in charge of the terrorist um, cell. Yeah, uh, you know, it's that, that's that's got to be one of the worst <sighs> things I've ever seen. Like just the description of the feet. Oh, I would cringe like just thinking about it. Yeah, and he keeps telling him drive faster, keep up our speed, whatever you do, don't slow down. So we can dangle the terrorist's feet out the car and watch them grind away down to wooden, you know, or bony stubs grinding on the asphalt. I'm like, oh, oh my God. God. Oh, yeah, that's up there that with was... like Jack Carr and his ghost peppers. And, or, well, yeah. I guess Brad did that too. Ghost pepper. Up yeah. He threw I, he did. Oh, that, it's brutal, man. <laughs> we could have, I don't know if it's PC enough. We could have a, a, a bot that's. <laughs> The best, like, the most ridiculous kills in all of these different novels, you know? Oh, dude, it'd be over the top. We'd have to mark that explicit for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think Jack Jack probably has a few in the top five. Yeah, he's got a couple more up his sleeve, I'm sure, for, for the next book or next couple books. Oh, all this leads to a really cool scene, though, where one of the bombs does go off in Amsterdam. And they're able to catch most of the bombers before they detonate. But this one knocks out a building where Nikki Rodriguez uh, was was hanging out in. And she's stuck in the rubble. And basically, Scott gets the guys like, hold up this wall. Don't let it fall. He's climbing under under rock and concrete and rebarb. 
and he's trying to pull her out and she's stuck. You know, he's like, I think she's unconscious. I don't know if she's breathing, but if you can hear me, he's like, just wiggle, wiggle or do something to get yourself untangled. I'm going to pull you through. And they're going just through broken glass shards. And when he pulls her out, he realized she wasn't stuck. She was grabbing onto someone else. And there was another woman, one of the workers, <laughs> and she was trapped in the rubble. And so even in this like half conscious state, Nikki Rodriguez is grasping onto this other woman who she tried to save. And Scott pulls them both out and the team is holding up the wall. And the second they get them out, the wall comes crashing down. I thought that was a really cool rescue scene and showed the level of heroism uh, by these Athena ladies. Yeah, no, like b- both their actions in the mosque in London and their actions in the red light district really prove that these characters are, are badass. I want to see more of them going forward. I love the banter between, you know, the complexity between all of them. And then we even, you know, they even insert themselves into the investigation when we go back to America in Chicago and yep. they're immediately able to help Scott track down, figure out, you know, where the cell is in the United States. You know, we, we meet this Aziz Aleem that, that with Captain Double Hooks. Captain Double Hooks. Uh, I like it. Who <laughs> ultimately gets away, right, at the very end. And, and there there's talk of this attack on New York City or L.A. where nuclear radiation will rain down from the skies. And, like, you know, we're, we're left with that, that cliffhanger where Chase doesn't – or no – at the very end, they're yeah. in where, – where are they? In Morocco? No, where? So, Yemen. They're in Yemen. Yemen. Uh, okay, Yemen. So, the way that all happens, though, is the Athena team comes to Chicago with Scott, and they stop one last attack, which was going to be Mumbai style, which I, I remember that attack, but I forgot the specifics, which apparently they were both suicide vests and bombers, but also active shooters. And so it was like this total carnage of wanting to just complete, have complete chaos and get the uh, first responders totally, you know, tied up and not knowing how to respond because it's not a bombing. It's not a shooting. It's both. What do you do? So all protocols are out the window. And the vests are not activated. I thought that was really interesting when the three cops or the two cops and the private investigator are tied up and Marwan says to Rashid, I'll allow you to choose what to do with them. And Rashid's like, trust me, brother, I have a plan for them. I'm like, this plan doesn't sound great. He's going to jack them up with vests, put a camera in the corner, and watch them and wait for the first responders to get there before he blows them all up. I'm like, if you really are the terrorist guy, that's probably not the best way to inflict mass carnage. Like, if you got well, I think it was just a, a way, the, the explanation to Marwan is like, oh, this is a good way to, take out some law enforcement people because we'll, we'll call the police right. and say that you have these three detectives there but it, it was at this point that i knew exactly rashid was a good guy you know? that's what i was going for the way yeah. he was setting up that op i'm like it sounds like there's a lot of ways this can go wrong and that was precisely the case right like so once scott and gretchen got there she was able to defuse the bombs and she's confused because she realizes they're not actually activated there's some sort of detonation that wasn't put together and so we're, we're clued in to think the way Rashid set this whole thing up and it failed and some other operations he was supposedly in charge of have fallen through. 
the reveal is easier to digest and you go back and go, oh, now I get it. He was a CIA inside man the whole time. So that was kind of cool. I don't know where I was going to go with that. So what happens then to cut to the epilogue in Yemen? They know Aleem, Aziz Aleem, double hooks was behind it. And now Scott has him and is about to turn him over in Yemen to the CIA guy, Sean Chase, who was Rashid undercover. Yeah, so the CIA could get get some brownie points because the Carlton group doesn't want anything to do with it. Yeah, this is after, you know, they they go into the mosque. Or not it's not a mosque this time. It's a what is it, a mattress store? What is it? A yeah. furniture oh, store? Oh, there's the whole furniture store thing too, yeah. Yeah. So go into the furniture store, take out everyone there. That's ultimately where they you know, Marwan end up, end up getting killed. That's where we find out that Sean Casey, as you mentioned in the beginning, is is a good guy after some phone calls and then they're able to, you know, go stop the, they don't want them. They don't have to worry about the terrorists or the, the vest because Sean rigged them the same way he did the cops, but they have, they do have to worry about the active shooters because Marwan wouldn't allow them. He wanted them to use only his special ammunition, which would like um, backfire on them. But Marwan said, no, use his ammunition first, and then only if you need to use use the new ammunition. So they have to go and take, and that's where they, this, it, everything is like, when you're reading this, it's going really fast. Like, it's just, it is. We're at, we're at warp speed in terms of like acceleration of the plot. You know, and then Scott and Gretchen, Gretchen takes out one of the guys and then just like immediately like, just dips out like as as a secret force to not like right be seen because she can't she's not technically supposed to be operating on American soil right and the investigators don't know who took that terrorist down it's like this random bullet and shot that's unaccounted for in all of their weapons and at least this like ghost theory of some U.S. marshal who happened to be in the right place at the right time and saved the day but doesn't want to be known and he's you know out there somewhere who stopped this attack. Right, but right. we secretly know it's one. Of, it's the Athena ladies. Yeah, that was cool. Is there too much happening? W- considering <laughs> the whole first hour of conversation you and I had, <laughs> and then all of this going on in just the like final fourth of the book, is it one step too many in plots and action and nearly averted this bomb and then these shooters and then we took down this guy and uh, interrogated this guy while I was playing along and keeping up the first half, two-thirds of this book, was it one too many, a, a bit too much uh, going on here in the final concluding action? Like, I did think you need London some, and Amsterdam? I think at some point I turned off my, like, deduction cap. I turned it off pretty yes. early, actually, once yeah. we were running around Europe. And I just was like, I'm, I'm down for the ride. Like, wherever you exactly. go. I'm just going to I'm going to take it. And I think that allowed me to you know, especially when we get introduced to the Athena team, that's five new characters that we're supposed to care about. Yep. Two-thirds of the way into the book. You know, and you always have to just all right, just I'm 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 going to I'm not going to get any sort of super depth into any of these people and I'm just going to roll. We we got we got to just go and I think like that knowing that mindset allowed me to not get hung up on any one thing and not worry about that. The fact that there's a shit ton of stuff going on at the end of this novel. Yep. But I do think it all made sense. And I do think it it made sense in terms of like how they were able to foil the plot. You know, I think it all checks out. I I think it, it definitely all checks out. I just, yeah, I had to stop trying to do the mental gymnastics to keep up. 
yeah. and just get carried yeah, away if, with it. So if you if you yeah. if you do, then you're gonna you're gonna get bogged down and you're not gonna enjoy the ride. And I think it all checks out, but you'll enjoy it less. I think that's that's key. Yeah, that's that's true. All right, so the the yeah, final so, yeah, bit of we're, we're 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 skating around this like uh, cliffhanger ending. Yeah, yeah. I had to text yeah, you yeah, to try yeah. to make sense of this all. I was like, Chris, do I have this right? Uh, let me read that text because I I think I put it all together. Uh, I think you were slightly off, but go ahead and read it. Was I okay? All right. Well, let me just tell you my quick understanding, and then you break it down and actually give us the doctor's perspective on this. The troll basically calls Scott as he yes. has Aleem, and he's turning him over to Sean Chase, the CIA guy. The troll says, Scott, I think you're going to want to hear this, and I think your boss, Reed Carlton, will want to hear this. So the troll is extending an olive branch. I got something. I think you want it. Yeah, because Scott out. says that the troll owes him in money in person, but Correct. then the troll says, I have something better. Yes. I have something better to give you and read. He turns out he took the flash drive when they met Stirk. And Stirk was the one posing as Sui, Tony Sui, who was dealing in intelligence. So she dealt with the troll. She was dealing with the terrorists somehow. We're not sure. But turns out this flash drive that was in her purse had data on it that was supposed to be super encrypted, was probably not supposed to be stored there. One of the few mistakes she made in her intelligence dealings. And this file, once the troll cracked it, revealed a nephew of ooh, one of the big bads. Which big bad? Okay, Aziz Alim, who the guy who got captured, had a nephew who was posing as a Westerner who works for Harrods in London, but he's really the digital courier for the network. So he's taking right. Aziz's orders and communicating with all the others and dealing in intelligence. And I'm pretty sure he was hired to get Stirk to set up the troll. Right. Yes. And that's her connection. So basically there was this go-between that Stirk was talking to a digital courier for Aziz Alim, who was the big bad orchestrating all these attacks. And he finds out there's something else in the works, that this was only the beginning. And Sean Chase, who's undercover, wants to continue going undercover because he knew Marwan was not the final step. He wanted to get to Aziz Alim and interrogate him to find out about what was with the hit in China in Inner Mongolia on this facility. And what do they have planned about this chatter about nuclear you know, fallout raining down on the U.S.? And Marwan even told him about other hits in America. There are other bombings, other cities. And so there is this bigger plot. They think they're going to get it out of Aziz Alim. However, the final scene as Aziz Alim is being taken away, Robert Ashford, the MI5 guy who had all these stories about Reed Carlton, loads up an RPG and shoots it at the car. So he wanted to take out Aziz Alim so he didn't speak, tying up loose ends that couldn't be traced back to him. Is that what's going on here? Yeah, so ultimately, I think Ashford is a bad guy in the next novel. So I think that's what we're meant to yeah. believe. I I can't remember, you know, until we until we read Full Black. Um, but yeah, no, that's that's you. You got it pretty much right. Yeah, that's what we're meant to believe, at least. At that's a lot, novel. man. That's a lot of like, again, the mental gymnastics to get there. This you need to have a degree to, to basically break that all down. Like that is a really tough line of thinking that I don't expect an average reader to have the time and effort to get to. Cause I certainly wouldn't have got there 
unless I needed to talk about it on this podcast in front of the people. You got to remember a lot. You have to remember a lot like uh, yeah. about the novel. We also haven't been with – there was that one line earlier in the novel where like Ashford's um, radio like cuts out like during the chase scene in London when they're – we didn't even talk about that really. But like when they're trying to track the – using the phones because they, they have that right they're in the the athena group is in the mosque and but the phones are activated right and so she has to she has to diffuse them there but then so using those phones they're they're hoping to be able to track the person who was going to call and then but remember there's 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 this one right it just it felt awkward in the moment where yes ashford times out yeah and the other the other person's on the call is like oh he's having trouble with his with his uh, microphone and it's just yeah now at the end you're like oh and I'm suspicious of that you know yeah yeah those little breadcrumbs you're right and remember we got that conversation in London and obviously you know we I want to talk to you about Armand Schultz but the, I think it's what is it chap it's, it might not even be a chapter but just like the second scene in the the first chapter where we go to London. There's this conversation in this club between these two people, and Armand does it in a in a, in a British voice, British accent, right? Is one of those where we're supposed to believe one of those Robert Ashford? Hmm. I didn't think about that. It's a good question. An- yeah, another thing about so. Ashford is Stirk, the lady who was fronting and dealing in intelligence, who had this flash drive on her. She's freaking out. She like doesn't want to speak and give up names to Scott because she's like, there's someone bigger than you. Like this thing is big and it's beyond you. And when she was kept, when she kept on saying that and she was holding out so much, I'm like, who is this person? Like we know about the terrorist big bads. We've seen them. But she kept saying like, no, there's more. There's more than you can understand. And I think if you revisit her pleading with Scott, like, you're never going to win there. There are bigger fish to fry out there than you will ever know. I think she's talking about MI five being in bed with the nephew of the head terrorists. And so I think she knows a little bit about more than she was letting on about these connections. Yeah. Whether it's MI five or just like some rogue intelligence element that's in bed with terrorists. Um, yeah. Someone's compromised versus like, I, I wouldn't believe that she would be like super. Oh, they're gonna they're gonna find me. Like you're you're not afraid of Al Qaeda that way, you know? Like Al Qaeda doesn't have like that kind of capability to track down. And I mean, maybe they do, but just at least the way that that they're described in all these books is they don't they don't have like an intelligence apparatus that they're not putting resources into that. At least you know. Yeah, but she knew she was being watched, or that there was somebody that that was out there that she didn't want to find out yep. about her being a. Be, uh, turning yep 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 dude that was a lot i i haven't felt that confused or overwhelmed with people places plots this book had a lot going on and i wonder as we move into the scorecard here which maybe we do a little quicker i think we've said a lot of what needs to get said yeah yeah, yeah but yeah, i yeah. don't i don't know if that complexity is going to help or hurt this one because I really liked the book. It was a lot of fun I did, to read. I did like the book. I did like the book. I liked it a lot. But as I look back on it, I'm like, what here is going to stick versus what is here that I'm ultimately never going to remember because it's just buried in a ton of other plot? 
I wonder what's going to happen here. I'm not quite sure how how I'm going to score this one. So you know, maybe that's why this stretch I didn't ultimately remember like too much because it it is it's just jam packed. You know, it's just it's heavy. Yeah, very dense. All right, I think the scorecard is going to help. Before we get to the scorecard, one thing: you both, you and I did the audio book, right? Yes. So now, what what do you think? You know, this is now two books we've gotten with Armand Foley. Well, we had him the first book, and then we had a long part with George. What do you think about Armand Schultz? I love Armand Schultz. I, I loved him from the get go. I think this was a hard book to do. I think, yeah, it was a the, lot. I would not count this among his best through no fault of his own. The amount of characters in it is is insane. But I really love his Scott and when he's talking to the troll and the trolls using mechanized voices a lot of times. So uh, we didn't have any Gary Lawler and I love Armand Schultz, Gary Lawler. So I can't fault him. This was not his best book, but overall, yes, he's the voice of Scott. uh, And I absolutely love him reading the series. Why? I do like his, I like his troll way better than George's troll. When Uh, when we see when he's with the troll in person, like, yeah, hundred percent. Can't agree more. Yeah. I think this was just a hard book. Yeah. No, I mean, to have to change, you know, one, you're not a female, but to like. Oh, and then the Athena the, team. Yeah. I didn't, m- even, m- oh, I didn't even realize. He does it. The Gretchen, Gretchen Casey voice, he does pretty well. Like the, the Cause she's got the Southern draw. Yeah. But then like to have to jump as, as a non-female to have to jump between five different inflections of your it's fake female much. voice. Like that's hard. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, and I don't fault him on that, but yeah, it wasn't my favorite part of the audiobook, so I, it is what it is. I think I want. Let me. Uh, well, all right, you give me your action and plot scores while I look something up here. Are right, you yeah, action? <laughs> I think if I'm going on the amount of action we got, it's ten out of ten. <laughs> it's got to be a ten, right? It's got to be a ten. <laughs> we just got an absurd amount of action. It was paced pretty well looking back on it though it's it's hard to sort through what happened when (laughs) what came in the beginning what came in the end and how was this connected to that so i shouldn't really blame but pull action down too much for all that additional stuff so i think i'm gonna go yeah i think it's just just pure action yeah on pure action and and particularly that james bond-esque scene when he steals the woman in the hotel on the french riviera boy i gotta go nine because it was near perfect some of those individualized moments when you string it all together the plot gets a little convoluted and i was okay with that through half this book i was getting a little fatigued with the plot by the time we hit the 10th or 12th interrogation of a name that's going to give us some tip that leads to another name so i think i'm going to drop it to Seven sounds a little too low because I really liked big parts of this plot. So I'm going to go eight. All right, all right, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, I think I'm I'm pretty close with that. I'm I'm going to go a nine on action. Maybe I'm I might even go nine point five on action yeah. and an eight on the plot. Like the plot was like good at times, but just like very convoluted at times. That I think it could have been tightened up a little bit. Um, not that stellar nine or ten, you know that we've seen. 
you, but I'm not going to go to seven because it all does check out for being right. That it, do, it does check out if 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 it, it could have fallen by the wayside at the end, right? Um, and that would have tanked it, right? So, right. Buy-in uh, is interesting because as I'm reading it, I was really bought in all along. Yeah, I I I think I got to give it a four on buy-in. Like I I just I didn't find any like real glaring things I didn't believe. You know. Yeah, I agree. Sure, like this is all happening in a very condensed time frame, and there are some coincidences. That's why it's not a five. But right, you know, you got to it's it's a it's it's a it's a fictional work. But there's not anything that was like super glaring, you exactly. know, like like some of the stuff we were reading in the Apostle or right. in um, Blowback, right? So, a hundred percent agree. I think to say a three here. It would have had to be so convoluted that I couldn't keep up. And as I'm reading, yeah. I'm questioning what, wait, where, who, what. Instead, I was along for the ride. So that's a four. It's just not as crisp as it needed to be to completely give me that unput downable, you know, gripping pacing. Bad guys, yeah, so- good guys. I'm real curious because I'm not decided on the villains. Okay. All right. All right. Before we get to that, I was just, I was looking up something. Uh, because we were talking about Armand Schultz, the narrator for the Athena Project is Elizabeth Marvel. Oh, okay, good. She is an actress, been in a lot of things. Uh, two of my favorite roles she's been in. She was in Homeland. She was the president at the very end of Homeland. Oh, really? That's who, who goes like, yeah, who goes apeshit. Um, oh, you know, wow! And, like, yeah, puts everybody in prison. And yeah. she was also uh, in. Uh, as a solicitor general, I think in house of cards, I, I liked her role in that. Oh. So her voice. And I remembered when I listened to that, we'll, we'll, we can talk about it in the next book, but she was very good. So like, oh, nice. and I, I was, I was like, I, I brought that up because of this, you know, Armand having to do four or five different right. female voices all in a row. If you're going to do a book with, they're the main thing. You, you gotta have a female narrator. Yeah. And they, I think they one did, you have, so. yeah. You have to have a female narrator, so I'm glad to hear that. And just based on what Armand did in this book, I wouldn't really want to hear him doing those five women again. So I think that's a great move. Yeah. yeah. All right. the The good guys, you know, good guys are a solid five. Absolutely. Yeah, like, especially Rashid. We, once you learn he's a good guy, Sean Casey. <laughs> right. Hundred percent. You know, I guess for most of this novel, Ashford's a good guy, and I I, I was digging him. For we get obviously help from other intelligence agencies. We get help from the troll, Padre Peo, uh, the cops in Chicago. Oh, the cops, man. You yeah. know, so good guys are, are a solid romp. The bad guys, though, even if like you take Rashid, Sean, Sean out of the good guys and put him into a bad guys because that was his role for most of the novel, him and, and Marwan and Aziz, I didn't, I didn't lo- I could take him or leave him, you know? Same. Yep. They weren't like super big baddie. I hate to say this. I'm between a two and a three. I don't think I can go to three. I think I got to go two. And Ethan I guess there's supposed to be this, there's supposed to be this like other, even above Aziz, like, and that's what ultimately I think Robert Ashford is, like this. It, or whatever, not maybe not him, but whoever he's involved with. There's this other yeah. big bad looming, but because we didn't get that in this novel, I can't 
can give that to this novel. You know what I mean? I agree. I mean, maybe if we we read the next one and we go back and we look, we could, we could rescore this. But as of right now, what I know, it's a two. Yeah, I, I think I agree. Even Aleem, who ends up being one of the bigger bads, I was like, if he didn't have the two hooks for hands, I he honestly don't know if character. I would have remembered him. He could have been anybody. It, what, right. What's the difference between him and Marwan? Like, at least there was a physical detail to differentiate him because nothing else about his story differentiated him to me. So, yeah, too. Big one, though, the setting. I There's a lot of glow popping, a lot of traveling heavy. I think I got to do the five. Oh, you're going to do five. I, I was going to do five. I'm going to do 4.5, and I'm only going to ding it for maybe too much globetrotting. <laughs> That's usually what I say, bro, but I, I think he pulled it off. He pulled it off? Sometimes less is more, and I will usually say that, but this is one case where I thought more was more. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Think of one place we went to that wasn't written well. Amsterdam. You 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 felt the red light district. Even Fallujah, a really short scene. You right, felt Scott going right. into that basement and rescuing the kids. Chicago, the cops and their accents and the way they're talking. Almost everywhere we went, you you, you were there. All right. It's a five. It's a five. Rome, even a tiny little scene right, with a bus that blows up scene. next to the Coliseum. You just felt Italian. Like that chapter, I was like, let's go to Rome. This is great. I'm here. And then it's gone. But while it was there, I was there. All right. All right. I'll, I'll agree with you. It's a five. And the French Riviera, man. The James Bond scene. I was that watching was probably, a James Bond movie play out as I read it. <laughs> probably my favorite scene. That that whole interaction when he goes into that hotel. It was wild. It was great. All right. Shall we judge a cover by the book? Well, <laughs> you know, nothing super egregious, just nothing super good. If this, if that's gonna, you know, nothing, nothing stands out. And this uh, reminds me of we we ran through a stretch of Mitrap novels that had a bunch of just super generic covers. And nothing really big to write home about. Okay, so we the original one could literally be strapped on. That's a little lapel flag on on another wavy flag. That could be again. We've said this with the last novel. The OG cover could be placed on any one of Brad Thor's novels, pretty much. Right. B, which is the new iteration. So you're the G, you're the geo the ge- geography guy. Where what is that supposed to be? So, uh, to take a step back, I'm going to disagree with you on nothing egregious. Okay, all right. I have I have multiple infractions here of all right. the judge of cover code. I believe, and I'm not sure, but I believe that's a Parisian bridge. I get the sense of Paris. And that's a fleur-de-lis. What the hell does the fleur-de-lis have to do with this book? There's an attack in Paris. Yeah, okay. There's an attack in Paris. Sure. What else happens there? There's an attack in Rome. There's an attack in London. There's an attack in Amsterdam. There's an attack in Chicago. There's attacks all over the place. And you make Paris the star of the book. And then look at cover C. 
There's an Eiffel Tower yeah, in the Tower. Film. Yeah, cover C is pretty to, egregious, actually. If you were to pick one thing as the symbol of this book and all the traveling heavy locations we went to, you do not double down on Paris for this cover. Do, to me, that is absolutely wrong. And then even the foreign ones, the foreign ones have the Vatican, St. Peter's. Okay, less than a chapter in Rome. Two of the covers have St. Peter's, actually. One has Mont Saint-Michel in France again, a church we do not go to, and we won't go to until near dark. That made sense to put it on the cover there. (laughs) Paris and Rome, you didn't even read the damn book. Whoever's designing this. And to you know to us, that is rule number one. Judge a cover by the book. Read it and give me a scene from the book. You had ample opportunity. You didn't do it. These covers are getting a one and a half. End of story. Sorry. Okay. All right. I, I just ranted. My apologies. So I guess all of them besides B are older. B is a new rebranding. So we need to find out where that actual bridge is. Because if that is if that is truly a Parisian bridge, that is egregious. Well, let's think of the colonnade in the back and that dome. Is that dome possibly... Um, where Napoleon is buried. What is that? Oh, is that, Tra- is that Traf- Trafalgar Square? Is that Trafalgar? Uh, it could be. There's a lot of columns like that. There is a column like that in Paris as well. I don't think that's it, though. Does Trafalgar Square have a dome like that anywhere nearby? It no, does from the, the the museum. Yeah, the There's museum. That, that's that's a bridge leading in leading into Trafalgar Square. I don't. Is that? I don't. There's no bridge near Trafalgar Square that would look like that. Is there? Or is that not a bridge? Is that a bridge? I don't know. It's got the lamps lining it. Uh, that's why I was thinking all those lamps look like Paris. Yeah, Trafalgar's not really near the water, but that dome very well could be the dome of the. Either way, this whole nighttime, you know, dusk scene on this bridge lighting up does not remind me about anything from this book. Wherever it is, Rome, Paris, Moscow, Berlin, nothing about it screams foreign influence to me. So Yeah. Yeah. No. I don't like But that. I'm I'm just more concerned about like what's the Florida Lee for? That's a typical Parisian thing, right? Yeah, well, all of Paris, yeah. I mean, it's adopted by the scouts, all sorts of like royalty or like a, it's like a herald for different families. I, the monarchy, I, I, what is that? Does that have anything to do with this book? Yeah, no. Doesn't, doesn't. You know, come to think of it, we didn't get any of those real Brad Thor kind of puzzles. You no, know, like we didn't. Find the painted brick that has a logo on it from the 13th century and push that and it opens a secret wall. But inside, there's another mystery lock and the code is Napoleon's birthday. And Yeah, no, this one was very grounded. It was very grounded, which I, I appreciate. Was. So. It was, it was. All right, I'm going, right, well, I'm going to, I want to, you went to 1.5, I'm going, I'm going to 2. You're going to 2. Okay, okay, okay. Well, let, let's just do this. Which one is your favorite out of all these? If I had to pick it, it would be B. Yeah. For the composition, yes. For the composition of it, I, I mean, I like that one the best, you know. 
All right. Uh, okay, I think for the design, I'll I'll agree with B. What's your I, favorite, Mike? Yeah, I guess I'll have to go with B. I'll go with B. I, I don't like it at all, but from a design perspective, sure. So anyway, let's get to the actual good stuff, though, which is the free space, which, man, we could pick anything here. I'm going to let you go first because I have a few ideas of what you might pick, and I'll I'll go the opposite way. What do you do for your five out of five? I think I got to go the Three Stooges in Chicago. Yes. Yes. With uh with Davidson. You know, it's mainly Davidson and Vaughn. I like to do, you know, buddy cop. You know, these yeah. two people that are sort of forced to work together. And then you throw in this other like quirky private eye guy who like <laughs> clips his toenails like and, and eats his yogurt weird. Like that was just it was so weird, it was funny. Like and all like Davidson, all of his his ball jokes when they have to use these like <laughs> surveillance camera that are shaped like balls or like his, his wife jokes. They were, it was just funny. I don't know. I don't know. I found myself just having a little bit of comic relief during this novel that, that I enjoyed. A hundred percent. I liked, I liked how their storyline ultimately lined up with, with Brad's or with Scott's. I, I do that all the time <laughs> with Scott's. And I, you know, that not is not always executed well. And I felt like this is one of the novels where, where it was done well, where you bring in the side story to your main story pretty efficiently i'll agree wholeheartedly agree perfectly said I, I i love the uh the three stooges over there in chicago because of that i'm gonna go with padre Peo. i love uh, the early a good scenes. ones love this tr- the troll up in the monastery the padre and scott talking it, his background and he's kind of like the the troll he's both a friend and a confidant He's, they have a professional relationship, but it also seems they're also friends. Uh, really liked everything. And riding the horses, you know, the intrigue of finding where is the troll now? You know, we first met him. He was on that island in Brazil. And then he moved somewhere else. And currently in the books with Rising Tiger, he's got this really awesome, like, castle that he's defending. Right. So I just always love where's the troll now? You know, where in the world is Carmen Sandy Troll Ego? Where where in the world is the troll? And uh, this one definitely is up there with one of his cooler haunts and hideouts. So really liked everything up in Basque Country and Padre Peo. I I hope he sticks around. There was a point in my notes where I wrote down, oh, crap. I forgot about this guy. That means he's going to die pretty soon. Yeah. either I, We may never see him again, though. Which would be cool because you know another priest who we never saw again and just kind of disappeared into the ether. The old oh, man was the who priest was friends from, uh, with Stan Hurley from Killshot. Yeah, yeah, and he was at uh, the funeral. I think he was at Stansfield's funeral or one of them. I I kind of liked how he floated around in the background for a few books. You definitely know he passed on, you know, but you wonder how, what else was he involved in? What else in history was he? privy to and i kind of get the sense of padre peo he's seen a lot he will see a lot and he's just gonna silently pull strings and operate in the shadows and i think that's a it's just a really cool character and really adds to the storytelling yep yep all right so what are our totals there mike chris you got a total of 41 
And I ended up giving a half back to the plot. I went eight and a half on the plot. I, I think it he doesn't want to be that. below forty. Huh? He doesn't want to be below forty. It, it also brings it to a nice even forty. And I really did like this book, so I think forty is a a fair score there. Forty and a forty-one. How does that rank compared to what we've uh, what we've covered so far? You know, this is one of the things I was working on before the pod, so I I don't have it all put together so if i put a 41 you have a 40 so we rated state of the union a 45 you gave it a, i gave it a 45 and a half you gave it a 41 and a half blowback i gave it a 31 you gave it a 26 takedown i gave a 46 and a half you give it 47 mm-hmm. first commandment i gave a 43.5 you gave a 44 I don't have the scores written down for Last Patriot. We gave Rising uh, Tiger a 44.5 and a, half and a 45 and a half. So Last Patriot was 40.5 and, and 39.5. And so I, I'm seeing numbers-wise, this book is pretty much on par with The Last Patriot. On par with State of the Union for me. But it's definitely above blowback. above blowback below takedown definitely lower than first commandment i would say i remember liking that one what was our apostle scores do you have those don't have the scores for apostle so i think this is middle of the pack would you say this is gonna stay about okay we i gave i give the apostle 44 and a half you gave it a 45 and a half oh yes that's the one all in the middle east right Yes, that was the last one. Yeah, I, I think I think this is definitely below the Apostle, below First Commandment, below Takedown. It's probably going to be on par with somewhere like a Lions, a State of the Union. Yeah, so you gave, uh, we gave Lions a 23 and a 25, respectively. So if you double those, that's a 30. I, Lions is not a 38. That would be my worst book besides... Path and takedown, path and blowback. Yeah, we got to rescore that. And you give it a forty-two, which I think is probably pretty accurate. Yeah, like I would change mine to be a forty-two, but I guess because I was doing it out of thirty, was before we had the final iteration of the scorecard. Yeah. This is this is something we need to think about. We had. Oh, I know why. It, it would end up getting more because plot and plot and action are more heavily weighted, so they would get a lot more points. No, I think I think this is all things that, like you said, this is a book sort of right in the middle of the pack, and we I think we need to go back and um, you know, discuss the first decade of Brad and. Uh, we can also go back and rescore both State of the Union and Path of the Assassin, get them lined up with our new 50-point scorecard, and really see where everything lines up. So, yeah, looking forward to that in the future. Yeah, let's read the Athena Project next month. We'll try to pump that out in April. And then sometime late in the spring, we'll uh, give you our rankings of the first 11, 10 or 11 Brad Thor books that we've done. Yeah, a whole decade of... His authorship, that'll be pretty cool to reflect on early Brad. You know, like with Vince Flynn, we called it early Vince. And then clearly, like Memorial Day Mark, we've got a 
another wave of Vince, that, that kind of new style of Vince. So, and then from there we have Kyle Mills. So it's old Vince, new Vince, Kyle Mills is Mitch. I feel like we're going to see some patterns with, uh, with Brad. And I think we're, we're about to wrap up what I would consider early Brad. Yeah. And before we get to that on this pod, you can go over on to our other pod and we will be covering Don Bentley's first novel of the Matt Drake series without sanction. So what what are we going to run that on? No Limits Thriller Pod or No Limits Mitrap Pod since he's taken over Mitrap? Maybe maybe we run it on both. Yeah, we might as well. I think we got to do Mitrap because a big part of that conversation. Or maybe we do the book and we try not to do too much Mitrap talk in it. And then we do an episode after having done the book where we reflect on what influences might Mitch have had on Matt Drake. And then what from Don Bentley's writing in the Matt Drake series do we think will be incorporated into Mitch Rapp moving forward? So maybe there yep, are yep. two separate episodes there. Yeah, yeah. No, I like that. I like that a lot. Well, that allows me to thank our patrons by name, including our special operator, Sherry F., our special agents, Daryl, Kevin, George, Ben, Matt, Don, Peggy, Ray, Bridget, and Mark. Please subscribe, rate, and review using your favorite podcasting platform to all three seasons of no limits. You can find us online at thrillerpod.com or using Twitter and Insta at thriller podcast. And as always, find fix, finish and follow up. <laughs>